The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Very active starting a business. It takes a lot of gumption. I really want to dig in deep, figure out what makes these people tick, how they are leveraging their success to make the rest of the world a better place. You know, maybe have a couple of giggles along the way. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Kilroy Report, the podcast that shares the stories of entrepreneurs and agency owners doing extraordinary things in an ordinary world. Now here's your host, Tim Kilroy. Hey everybody, I'm here with Nick Elvery, who is a performance coach that who's got just kind of an amazing story. I really just can't wait to sort of get into this because because Nick's story is so is so good and so passionate and what it really tells us is that is is that you know what happens next is is only influenced by what has happened before not determined by what has happened before and and honestly um, for those of you who 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 know me uh, I have ADHD which is uh, and I'm not and as Nick tells the story I'm not making equivalencies but I'm in this ADHD Facebook group where lots of people are, they're always wondering like, oh, why me? Why did this, why, you know, why is this way of being, why did it happen to me? Or, or they, they get a, they get diagnosed with ADHD and they're like, oh, now my life is over. And, and, you know, I've always thought that, that my way of being is something I need to capitalize on. And, and, you know, that, that what happens next is actually, you know that I can control the things that I can control, and and with that as sort of a preamble, and not that I'm a, you know I'm not, I'm not making an equivalency between <laughs> between uh, uh, the the you know the, the the excitement that is is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and and Nick's personal story, but it is for you agency owners out there and your service business owners, what happens next is really it's up to you. With that as a as a background, let's. I would love to. Um, uh, I'd love to, to to hear Nick's story. Hey Tim, well, thanks for having me on the show. First of all, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, so nutshell version of my story: uh, twelve years worth of hard drugs and alcohol addiction. Uh, coming out the other side of that left me um, with a different, very different perspective on life. Obviously, it was eight years clean now. I've left that world behind. Uh, coming up to eight years, be June the nineteenth, eight years. And one of the things I still struggled with was the mind side of things. So the ups and downs, the emotional turmoil of the conversations in my head and everything that came with that. And suicidal thoughts and depression stayed, stayed with me uh, even after I'd given up all the drugs and left that world behind. And I got to the point where I was wondering, well, okay, is there actually more going on here? Is there... Um, an issue with my brain? Do I have some form of mental illness? Because my highs were very high and my lows were very low. And it was a repetitive pattern that kept on cycling over and over and over again. And now trying to run a business and build a business whilst you're going through this turmoil of up and down is very challenging to say the least. And I had spent tens of thousands of dollars on arguably some of the best coaches and programs on the planet for... Uh, helping to build coaching businesses and build a practice in you know, a successful coaching business. 
and none of it had made any difference. In actual fact, I felt like I was in a uh, worse off position than I had been when I before I started, and obviously uh, lost a lot of time and money, and, uh, confidence as well. Basically, I got to the point where I was like, okay, well, what's missing here? What is the thing that's holding me back and not allowing me to get the results that I want in my life? And I spent a year studying cognitive hypnotherapy, deep dive into NLP, and a whole host of other uh, subconscious reprogramming techniques to really try and understand, like, was it that my brain had issues from all the drugs and things that I'd done with it? Or was there something else going on here? And I did go down the medical route to check to see if there were any issues and you know, that, that I was given a clean bill of health from that perspective. So if it wasn't that, what was it? And going through this process of understanding cognitive hypnotherapy and NLP to the level that I do now allowed me to see what was really going on. And actually, it's the brain just works in a certain way. Things happen in our life, we make them mean stuff, and we have a belief system and a subconscious programming. And all of that thing, all of that component of our brain, of our mind, gives us the results that we want in life or not, depending on how it's set up. And that was the, 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 the large, you know, the, the component that really clicked into place for me, which allowed me to create uh, RMT, which is the Rapid Mindset Transformational um, System that I have that allows us to actually dive deep into it. So that's a really condensed, very so, so quick. Like, like, like throwing away circumstance, throwing away external factors, right? It, it's this is this is uh, this is all where the the rubber meets the road, essentially in understanding how your brain works mm -hmm. and managing that. So, how do you get to the point where you can parse out? external factors versus the way your brain works like what's like what like what are like the like the you know ma make it make it simple like what do i need to be able to understand about myself in order to 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 sort of not react to the external factors and really think like oh hold on i'm in control of how i react here so let's let's start at the beginning and that literally starts at the beginning of our life to answer your question i think it'd be useful to start there because in our formative years, zero to eight years old or thereabouts, things happen to us. We make them mean certain things and we carry it around with mental, bag like mental baggage for the rest of our lives. This can obviously happen when we're older as well, right? So these things that happen, we make them mean something and we carry them around. And that is our view of the world, right? That is how we behave and how we act in a large portion of it. I'll give you an example. Uh, when I was a kid, fell over in the playground, got labeled odd kid. And from that point onwards was called that and tried desperately to fit in. Like my whole thing was like, I really want to fit in. I hate being the outcast. The, you know, I want to be uh, liked and ultimately loved. So I would do anything I possibly could to try and be liked and loved, to, to fulfill on that internal prophecy, sure. if you like. Yeah. Right. So that, it depends on what the situation is. A, a good indicator is, are these patterns recurring? Are these patterns happening in your life over and over? To answer your question over and over again, to the point where it's you've tried lots of different things, but always you get to back to the point of it, here we go again. It's going through the process. That's a good indication that there's probably some subconscious reprogramming or belief system stuff going on there. Okay, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it does. So, 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 talk to me about how this sort of uh, either manifests itself. Um, since most of the people who are listening are, are, are you know, some sort of agency or service business, right? Mm -hmm. And what I do in my agency coaching, honestly, is, is I spend an awful lot of time sort of helping people clean out head trash around 
what is possible for them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they're, they're afraid to send out, um, you know, they're afraid to engage in a particular marketing campaign or make a particular pitch because what if someone says no and all that sort of stuff. And so, so I sort of sort of pulled those things out. But what you're talking about is sort of intensely personal. And how does that, how, how do those personal thinking limitations show up in someone's professional life? Okay, perfect. Great question. So like you, that example you've just given is a really good one. Putting ourselves out there as an entrepreneur obviously is an incredibly important post- process of uh, building a business. We need to be getting out there and marketing ourselves every day, pretty much. And if we have this internal mental baggage, this conversation of I'm not good enough as an example, and there are a whole plethora of ones that we can create, you know, we can make for ourselves. But if we've got this limitation on putting ourselves out there, then that it instantly limits the amount of, you know, amount of um, marketing material you're going to put out, the amount of things you're going to do, Facebook Live or however you promote your business. So there's automatically a limit on there and they manifest themselves in, in, in different ways. We all have our own sort of versions of that, but it, it becomes an internal mental limit, right? We're telling ourselves that we're not good enough because of these things that have happened in, t- in the past, which have then have created a belief system in our, you know, in our mind around money and around business, around relationships or whatever it is. So it's, it's that barrier that stops us from putting ourselves out there in the way that we should, as an example. Does that answer your question? Yeah. So, so, so let's, let's, uh, let's dive a little more specifically. So, so something that I see regularly, especially mm-hmm. with, with early stage agencies um, uh, and with, with younger CEOs, they sort, of, they sort of mix their own personal perspective with, with uh, especially around finances, with, with a, a, a business. So they, they have, they, it's hard for them to say like, we charge $5,000 for this mm-hmm. because they could not afford $5,000 personally. And so they, so they sort of, they, they, they sort of transfer that limitation onto the person they're talking to regardless of that other person's circumstances. Right. And so they, they somehow, they, they diminish the value of what they do because of their personal resources, even though those two things are not related. And, you know, that's sort of one example. And that's, and, and that's sort of, that's like pretty obvious to diagnose. Like that's, that's, that's easy. Right because you can you can hear it in their voice like $5,000 is a lot of money I'm like oh, no it's not I mean yeah it's, but yeah. it's not right yeah so so what are like sneakier ways that personal limitations show up in our daily actions or personal personal beliefs that are limiting what are the sneaky ways that they show up in our lives I would say that a lot of these these beliefs are invisible and how this works is we have two parts of the, con- the mind, which is the conscious and the subconscious. And the subconscious runs the show the majority of the time, right? So these patterns become automatic. If you think about driving a car down the freeway, you've driven 10 miles, you almost come back through, you know, come back to, to sort of consciousness and you think, oh, how have I done the last 10 miles? That's your subconscious programming or your subconscious mind taking hold of the show, making sure you don't crash and driving you 10 yeah. miles without you even realizing. So these things are hidden from our view and you know it's it's the small things that we don't realize which are sometimes the most damaging and i'm answering your question here in a second it's the ones that are in the background that we verbalize but don't consciously realize we're verbalizing them like i'm not good at 
or oh, I possibly can't. Like you said, with that, oh, five thousand, uh, five thousand dollars is a lot of money. That is a belief system, right? And it's the same thing with anything, whether it's sales copy, whether it's putting yourselves out there, marketing, uh, you know, whatever it is within the business. If there's this little piece of this little belief sat there without you being conscious of it, then it's going to hold you back from that. So it could be as simple as, oh, I don't have uh, faith in myself to, to create a copy or to create a good website or to have a good sales conversation, right? And these little words limit us greatly and but they're they're so unconscious that we we automatically say them all the time that we're unaware because we're priming our subconscious the whole time right right you think about you think about the classic example of people trying to remember names which is obviously an important thing in business and life in general the typical thing that well, people say so well, that's, that's why they invented finger guns like hey <laughs> yeah, the, the word mate and the word buddy, I think, came, yeah. came about both for that, right? Yeah. Um, but the, the, the classic one about names is you prime yourself subconsciously without realizing it. So someone will say, oh, this is, this is to John, Tom, me, John. And Tom will say, oh, I'm rubbish at remembering names. I always forget. I'll ha you'll have to remind me in a few minutes. Yeah. Right? He's priming his subconscious the whole time, and he's unconsciously doing that. And he's unaware that he's doing that because it's an automatic pattern. He knows he's saying those words but he's not conscious to the damage that it's doing. And if he actually changed his words, and this goes back to anything, you know, if, he, if, if someone says, oh, I'm bad at sales or I'm bad at copywriting, all they're doing is reinforcing that belief that they have in their subconscious and they don't realize the importance. And I think this is the key point. They know they're saying, it, obviously, they can hear themselves saying it, but they don't realize the importance. The subconscious is always listening and it listens repetitively. So if you say over and over again, I'm a bad copywriter, I'm a bad copywriter, or whatever it is that you need to do in your business, lead generating or whatever, then that is what your mind is going to believe. And ultimately, what we believe is what we create in our world because it's the vision, it's the, it's the filter how we see life. Okay. All right. So if the world is ours to shape, mm -hmm. why is it that so many people are sort of unbelievably bad at taking charge? Right, because because if 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 the world if if the if we're if we're as simple as as sort of you know being conscious and thinking, you know thinking your way through things and sort of realizing what you put in your own way, everybody would be Richard Branson. But there are very few people like Richard Branson. So that Richard Branson is a great example, right? And if you look at anyone that has achieved great amounts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Richard Branson, you know, people who've gone out there and built big empires and done big things, yeah. right? There are drivers that have driven them to them. So the environment that they grew up in, if you read um, both those biographies, they're very interesting. You see that both of them had a lot of discipline and Richard Branson was, you know, put out by his mom on a bike and with no food or water and told to cycle a hundred miles when they were kids, you know, like they were put into an environment which built a belief system and put them through certain things to allow them to be driven, allow them to, to take on challenges, to be disciplined, like the core things that you really need to be effective within that. Right. Yep. So it's a combination of your upbringing, your belief system, which is changed and created over time and your motivations and your drivers for what you actually want to achieve in life. Because not everyone wants to be Richard Branson. Some people are happy to, you know, to, to raise a family and that's their goal. And, you know, and, and that, that's very happy for them and just work with someone else. And that, sure. that's cool. Right. right. So, right. so it's a combination of factors for sure. Um, but if you look at, I mean, drivers are very interesting. 
because you can look at uh, people who have been very successful, quote unquote successful financially, and built a big business, but they're miserable. Like we hear, right, we hear but, all. But also, that's that that is that's not universally true. I mean, I think that's a little bit of a trope, right? I mean, there are certainly there's no. I'm just I'm just making one example. I'm not saying that all people that generate you know generate businesses are miserable, but you do get that point, right? That some people who create big businesses who are quote unquote successful because they've done all these things that the modern world thinks is impressive, but actually deep down inside they've been driven by the ego. They've been driven by these these things that have happened to them in the past of wanting to impress other people. And they haven't actually put themselves first. And that, for me, is a, is a big component of when people talk about creating a vision for their life, for example, right? People yeah. say the vision comes first, which is an important component. But if you're driven by your past experiences, and your past experiences have given this meaning that I need to impress other people, then actually you're creating a vision for what you think other people would be impressed by rather than what you truly want for yourself. So there's, a, there's another limit there put on pl- in place when you, when you have, haven't dealt with these past experiences. Hey, do you like the Kilmer Report? I really hope so because we work hard on it. And if you'd like more content like this, I invite you to subscribe to my Friday Focus email. You get weekly updates about what's on the podcast, what's new in the world of business growth, and honestly, my weekly short video essay about the things that entrepreneurs need to be thinking about right now in order to help them create an extraordinary business in an ordinary world. I hope you'll subscribe at fridayfocus.co. That's fridayfocus.co. Let's, let's talk about the, the, the two, two things. Uh, number one is, is uh, and I don't mean to be appropriating something from the recovery, uh, from the recovery movement, but, uh, but certainly, you know, the, the, the beginning of, or parts of the serenity prayer are, mm-hmm. are like completely reasonable ways to go through life, right? You know, sort of, you know, uh, accept the things you can change. Mm-hmm. And accept the things you can't change, right? That sort of makes sense, right? That's and that's that that by the way, it's sort of like classic, like stoic philosophy. Sure, uh, right? How how do you sort of uh, like adjust yourself so that you're thinking about the world in that way? You know, that you're you're able to sort of like think like, okay, that's an external factor that I can or cannot change. Yeah. So how and because because um, you know, for lots of folks, when when things are going wrong. You, f- you end up feeling powerless and it feels like everything's happening to you mm. rather than, you know, rather than, rather than um, the, the result set that you're experiencing being, um, uh, being the byproduct of the process that you took to get to that result set. So, yeah. so, so, how, so how do you, how do you sort of, how do you sort of parse out what you can control and what you can't? Okay. So that is effectively what I would consider the mindset. And I think the word mindset gets confused with uh, being the whole, the whole picture. And actually it's just one component. It's the attitude to life, the stoic philosophy, the way of viewing things, the internal dialogue and how you actually look at things from an analytical standpoint. So for me, that is something that, um, and the stoic philosophy is a great way of learning about that. It's just it's learning a new way of looking at things rather than getting emotionally caught up in whatever's going on, actually looking at it. And that's, you know, part of what I teach is being able to raise your awareness in the mind and have this disassociation, uh, disassociated uh, attachment in your, in your brain. So when you hear, when you say something in your mind, instead of getting caught up in it, you can sort of detach yourself from it and look at it and observe it from a third person and work through it analytically rather than getting caught up with emotionally. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, but so much of our sort of emotional investment, you know, mm-hmm. comes from 
it, it comes from a very like a very self-centered place, right? It comes from a like a very kind of um, me first place, right? You know, the the world feels this way because that's the way that I see it, hmm. right? And so and so you have sort of like you're you're seeing you're seeing these things happening, and they feel like they're happening to you because you can't see beyond yourself. Tell tell me about the like the process of subverting your ego in a positive way not in sort of not in deprecating yourself right that'd be mm. one way to subvert, but but subverting your your ego so it's not about you right but rather it is this it's this set of circumstances that you can they you have a choice about which way you're going to act yeah i mean the the ego conversation is a is a big one isn't it and it's, a, it's an important one i think i like to try and simplify this as am I doing this to impress others or am I doing this truly because it lights me up and I love helping people or whatever it is that you're looking to achieve? And if the answer is the former of those two, then there's a level of power lost because ultimately, like I said, with the vision, you're, you're building something or doing something to impress other people, which doesn't bring joy. It brings short-term excitement when people think that you're great. But when you pull away the covers or the layers of what's really going on under the hood in the mind, there's a level of unhappiness and unfulfillment there because it's not about you, it's about impressing other people. So I think for me, it's just a case of where, where that motivation lies. Like what, what is the why? Why are you doing that? Is it truly because it's authentic? Like if you take what I do with my coaching business, once upon a time, it was all about creating money and wealth and being important and having the best podcast. And I was focused on metrics that were more about impressing other people than they were about truly fulfilling on what I wanted. Now, does that mean that all of that's changed? No, I still have good financial goals and, you know, and these things that are important within the business. But it's truly an essence of what do I love to do? Well, I love to help people. I love to help people uh, free themselves from their internal dialogues, you know, and, and empower them to be able to go out in there and build their business to the level that they want. And that's purely driven from a love of doing that rather than, oh, look at me, I earn X amount, which is how it used to be for me. This is actually a terrific point to like bring it back to, to something very specific. So what I see an awful lot with with sort of agencies and service businesses of a, of a particular size they're they're usually somewhere well there's there's a couple of phases that i see like there's there's somewhere like around 150 or 200 thousand dollars in revenue a year where like the founder can no longer do it all themselves right they, they need yeah. help and and like at this point they're like a super freelancer and when they decide to make an agency it's really hard because they lose control Right, or they feel like they're afraid of that. But then there's a there's a the next there's like the next phase, and this sort of generally happens at like half a million dollars in revenue for most agencies, where the founder is no longer or, or can no longer be in the weeds. If they want to continue to grow, the founder has to sort of pull themselves out of the delivery stage. You know, and some and some places can grow bigger, but it's sort of like a a, a, a usual point. Like there's five or six hundred thousand dollars revenue. Like the founder is going to think, like, okay, my job is no longer to do the work. My job is to run this business. And for many founders, especially those founders who started their agency because they were good at something, it's really it's really hard to pull out because they no longer get the validation of being really good at that thing that they're really good at. Mm -hmm. 
right? You know, and so they have they so they have to realize they have to get their validation somewhere else. And and I'd and I'd love for you to talk about the you know about the need for validation and how it can be you know how it can work for you and how it can work against you. Because when you you were just talking about the sort of people building empty wealth, like that's that's external validation that in the end works against you, right? So let's talk about let's talk about ways that that you know you can you can sort of adjust your the kind of validation you need and then how how the the desire and need for validation is actually can be a real a real driving force a positive driving force not a negative driving force yeah i mean i I think it's similar to the conversation we just had around around ego and and why uh, what our motivations are for it you know obviously there are parts of the business that we love doing like i love doing podcast interviews i love speaking on stage i love doing all those sorts of things and there's parts of the business that i'm not don't enjoy so much I think it just comes back to that motivation. Like, why do you need to be validated? What is the validation requirement? And that's not an argument to say whether it's right or wrong, right? It's just what is the motivation? What is the why behind it? And if it's to fulfill or fill some internal void, then I think there could potentially be an issue there. Just like my drugs and addiction for 12 years, that was filling a void of unhappiness and, you know, and, and misery, right? And I think if you're seeking validation to try and fill something internally that's missing from your life of self-worth or a confidence or some some piece like that i think that's where you can potentially come you know fall foul of right now now i have this i like i have a theory that um that on some level all entrepreneurs need external validation of uh, in in uh, of something you know i mean otherwise otherwise like you wouldn't go through the you wouldn't go through the hardship of starting a business and growing something and, and, you know, delayed gratification, all that sort of stuff that you have to go through in order to build a successful business. So you need some sort of like, you know, and, and, and I don't know that it's necessarily a, a, a hole that it, that void that needs to be filled. That's, that's negative. But I do think that there's, that, that is, there is perhaps a heightened need for validation in the entrepreneurial community. Is, is that, that sound like right or real? Yeah, I think you know why do why do entrepreneurs get into entrepreneurship? You know why do why do people start wanting to build a business? And I think the motivations for a lot of them are freedom and money and and this sort of stuff. You know yep. they don't they want to live on their own terms and you know they're they're, they're a specific type of person. And I, I think it just comes back to look, is validation external validation bad? No. You know, I, I don't think it is. I just think, why? What is the motivation for that external validation? Is it to fill, as I say, to fill that void? Or is it because you enjoy it? And that's something that, you know, it's a healthy, because there's, there's an unhealthy and there's a healthy yeah, balance sure. between this, right. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. All right. So so tell me tell me about the the sort of the work that you do and the impact that it has. Okay. So... Ultimately, what I'm about is unlocking the mind, removing the limiting beliefs, reprogramming the brain, the subconscious to work with the flow of what you want to achieve rather than working against it. And ultimately, it starts, like we said at the beginning, dealing with what happened in the past, reframing those using cognitive therapies. And then looking and examining the belief system that you currently have, because the belief system that you need to go from a new entrepreneur to earning say $5,000 a month is obviously different. 
you need a different belief system to that. And going from five hundred thousand, you know, five thousand dollars a month to five hundred thousand dollars a month, you need a different belief system again, right? So it's really about equipping my clients with tools and strategies that allow them to become aware of their current situation because you can't change anything you're unaware of what their belief systems are and then using hypnosis and a whole load of other uh, tools and strategies to be able to reprogram the subconscious in a way that allows them to get the result that they working with getting the result that they want because take an example of this if you're you have a belief that you don't deserve success which is a very common one in entrepreneurs. And there's the opposite, which is that um, they're scared of having success. But if you had, if imagine having a belief that you don't deserve success, which comes, usually comes from the past experience, not always, but usually comes from something from the past. Then can you imagine trying to build a successful business on that belief system? Right. It's not going to be impossible. I think the, high, the whole conversation where we're saying it's, it's black or white or zero, you know, finite one or zero when it comes to this, it's not binary like that. But it means that you're stacking the odds massively uh, uh, not in your favor, the opposite direction, right? Right, makes sense. So, yeah, so once you've got that belief system, you've understand where it is and you're reprogramming it, moving it forward, then it's a case of that whole process allows undo, because self-sabotage is a big component within entrepreneurship as well, like, you know, yeah, procrastination cool. and I, overwhelm, burning right. out. I've done it like 35 times today. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, so tell me, well, so, so sorry, I, 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 like, I get it. So, so essentially you, we sort of, uh, you know, you, you dive in, you figure out where the limiting beliefs are, you create some structures so that, that you mitigate those in some respect or another so that people can, can sort of get into a better, uh, you know, a, a, a better position to do the things that they want to accomplish. So, mm-hmm. so tell me some stories, you know, tell me about people you've worked with that have, I mean, obviously your own story is, is powerful, right? 12 years of, of addiction, uh, now, you're, now you are a successful uh, you know, coach and changer of lives. And so, that, so that is a, that's a terrific story. But, but most people who are, who are, are uh, hopefully listening have not had that, that you know, they've not been at, at that rock bottom, right? You know, sure. They've not had that, that, you know, that, that low point. Um, you know, and the, so relatively speaking, their low points might be significantly higher than your low point. But, you know, tell me about some people you've worked with that have, have really sort of dramatically changed things and, and you know, and, and turned their, their, you know, their, their trough into a crest. So the, one of the most important things that comes out of this is creating a level of certainty that is just unstoppable. So if you imagine a lot of entrepreneurs, and I know you've worked with a lot, business owners in general, there's self-doubt is an absolute crippling mental disease, if you want to, if you want to call it that, right? That enables or stops most entrepreneurs in their tracks. They don't believe they can do it. They don't put themselves out there in the way that they should do. And I know for myself and for a lot of my clients, that is one of the core things that holds them back. So one of my favorite people I've worked with, one of my favorite clients, had this level of self-doubt that was so crippling, they couldn't actually get into action at all. And they would have weeks or if not months off of just total, you know, lying in bed for weeks, uh, watching TV, procrastinating, doing everything opposite to building a business, right? Once you unlock the understanding of how the brain works and how the mind works and how the past is related to the present, and you deal with that, you put them through that process, then the mental baggage gets put down and a level of certainty about what you're creating in life 
starts to surface. So when you go into situations, whether you've got no money in the bank or you're, you know, you're feeling flush at that time, you've got this level of certainty that when you take action and you go out there in the world, regardless of what the current situation is, you've got this. Right. And that's what we aim to install within the client's mind is this level of certainty that they can go out and achieve what they want. Because when you come from that place, then you are way more powerful than you've ever been. So that ultimately is my goal with every person I work with. Right. So, 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 so give us, you know, give us, uh, you know, one or two more, you know, ugly duckling to beautiful swan stories, you know, uh, because I, or, or, you know, how you turned a, you know, the average pickup truck into Optimus Prime, you know. I like that analogy. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah I mean, ultimately. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what, I, that's what I teach my clients to do with, with their sales processes to, like, you know, we're not, like, like, you're not selling Facebook ads, buddy. What you're doing is you're selling, you're selling, like, here's your future state. I can deliver you to a, to a better, to, you know, here's your current state. I can deliver you a, a better future state, right? Mm -hmm. through, through the magic of us knowing how to do Facebook ads or whatever. Um, so, so help, so, so share, share, share with us, you know, some, some, some inspiring stories. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, ultimately for me, for the entrepreneurs, their goal is always to make more money, right? That's what most of them come to me sure. for. It's like, right. I'm earning X amount and I want to earn X amount. And that, that's, ultimately all the stories that I can give you are people coming in. And I think the, the classic example is the peaks and troughs. You know, they make some money one month and then maybe another month yeah. they have a great month and then, you know, it bottoms out and they maybe make nothing for a couple of months. Right. Yeah. And that's what I love to help people with is get from that up and down roller coaster to creating whatever, whatever it is. And for me, it's about people working with coaches that want to create $10,000 a month plus and that, that's ultimately what we help them do is we help them gain the mindset and all the things that we talked about in this, this episode to allow them to consistently deliver and take the actions that they need. So all of my stories are, are ultimately the same. They have different nuances within them, but they are about freeing themselves from the self-sabotaging patterns, the limiting beliefs, allowing them to consistently generate the income and then move on and have all the tools that they need to do that. So... That, that's ultimately what I do with every single one of my clients. It's always the same story. Sure. It's just their, their flavor of it, if that makes sense. Sure. No, ab absolutely. I would love if, if, if you could sort of give us like three actionable things. You know, mm -hmm. if I wanted to, to sort of, you know, examine, improve, and, uh, and amplify my mindset, uh, you know, starting right now, like what yep. are the three things that I would do? So the first thing is the mental diet. We talk a lot about in life, we talk about what we put in our mouth, you know, food, nutrition, that sort of stuff, and what implications that has on our energy and our health and, and that side of things. What we often don't talk about is the mental diet. And what I mean by that is, what are we listening to? Who are we hanging around? What are we saying to ourselves? What things are we watching? All of those have a dramatic impact on our subconscious programming. As I say, the subconscious never rests. It's always listening. So if you're hanging around with people that are moaning and complaining about how business sucks and they can't produce the money and it's all bad, that has an automatic effect on you. That washes off onto you, into your subconscious. So being really careful about the stuff that you watch, you listen to, the people you spend time with, and the how you talk to yourself is critical because it all has this programming power. 
So that would be number one. Like, sure. like very Jim Rohn, right? You know, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. Five people you, you spend the most time with. Totally. I mean, like that is a, a very, very important component. And something that is, you know, these, these cliches that we talk about that are like, yeah, I know that. Like that, that sentence, yeah, I know that, is the, one of the worst sentences that we can say to ourselves because it immediately shuts off like learning anything more about right. that, even sure. though that's super yep. important. So that, that in itself, that mental diet is a big piece. And I would suggest okay. that if you, if you wanted to take a challenge, and I know there are a lot of people out there who have done this in the past, but you could do a seven-day or up to 21 days challenge of being very hyper-vigilant on your mental diet starting to see yourself when you complain and when you moan about things like starting to see because that that's the the second part is is your awareness is raising your awareness to spot these patterns yeah to spot these subconscious automatic programming because you as we said earlier you cannot change something you are unaware of so doing things that you can do to to really raise your awareness yeah, like, and, like what like what like meditation's a good one Okay. You know, um, and just being a bit more present with when you eat food, for example, or when you're talking to people, or listening to your own internal dialogue. I get really interested and curious about how you're talking about things like money. And money's a great one. Like I can sit down with someone for five minutes and to ask them a few probing questions and map out their entire belief system around money or business, right? And when we start to tune ourselves to that and listen to, and listening to other people is a really good one. Listen to your parents, listen to people you spend time with about what they think about money. They, they articulate their belief system all the time without realizing it. So so, so other than meditation, so, you know, I mean, telling someone to listen is a little bit challenging, right? Because if you, because you might think you're listening, but you're not really. So mm -hmm. are there other things like meditation, uh, journaling or, uh, you know. Yeah, I think active listening is what I'm referring to rather than listening. So active listening is taking, is being present to that situation and being present to the person you're speaking with and actively engaging in, okay, what is he saying here? Because we in the modern world are very poor at listening, right? It's just a skill that has been lost over the years. So active listening rather than just listening a bit more um, and all of those things, meditation, all those things are, are building a level of awareness in your mind and in your body. Because when you're meditating, you're starting to see your thought pattern, right? You are, you are on your own with yourself and your thoughts, right? And sitting down in silence allows you to see that. So it brings, it raises a, a more of awareness around how you're talking. Um, but also within, you know, when you're, when you're just walking around, when you're queuing up for the shop to pay for some food or whatever, see what's going on in your mind. By the way, for, 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 uh, for you folks in the US, that means waiting in line to pay for something. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that translation. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so, you know, like... Fine just, here, just to Americanize you. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Thank you. And yeah, so just, just raising your awareness around it. Like diet is a really good one um, when, you're, when you're losing, when you're wanting to lose weight and you're restricting your right. calories and stuff. There's a lot of conversations that go on in your mind and how your body feels. So that's all awareness, Right. Right. So, so we got, so, so far we've got, we've got, uh, we've got mental diet, right? So control yep. what we put in, uh, yep. number two is, is increase your awareness. And that's, uh, you know, that's by active listening, by meditation, by, uh, uh other means that you probably have to find, you have to probably discover them. you you know, you have to work through probably a lot of them yourself. All right. And what's the, like the third thing that I could do today if I wanted to sort of understand my, my limiting beliefs and move forward, you know, take one more step today. What? I think journaling is a good one. 
you you touched on it uh, just you know just a moment ago as well i think journaling and getting your thoughts out of your head onto a piece of paper can be really cathartic and really um interesting you can start to see patterns and spot things so um and that doesn't need to be some massive you know 20 minute process or whatever that could just be a five minute journal is a good a good option for that yeah, you can and, just sit and, down and i must say um uh, when you think about uh, things that you that uh we, we talked earlier about sort of emotional regulation. I have found this magnificent thing in journaling. I put together my, my, my to-do list, my task list every day in my, in yep. my, in my journal. And if I don't, it's a little bit, I've, I've hacked up bullet journaling a little bit. And so, and if I don't get it done, right, it needs to go to the next day. Yeah. And then it goes to the third day or the fifth day or the seventh day. And like, all of a sudden, like, I really need to do that. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, there are so many things that we, that we feel like we need to be responsible for that we, we have anxiety about. And then you realize like, Oh, wait a minute. I d maybe I don't need to own that thing. And mm -hmm. there's probably some other thing that, that is higher impact that I probably should own more than I do. And I think that's, yeah. right? I, th I that's, think one that's of my favorite that I found through journaling is like that, that is just sort of like, Oh, wow. I, I do know if it's been on my to-do list for three days, I probably didn't need to own it. Yeah, the, the world hasn't exploded, right? It hasn't, like, everything hasn't gone. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a really important point because as entrepreneurs, we love shiny objects, right? Shiny object syndrome is a, is a definite disease within the, in the, uh, within the entrepreneurial world. Yeah. And I think for me, simplicity, like, I love the one thing. It's a great book. I love essentialism. Yeah. Um, you know, exactly. th those two books are, say again? Isn't that Simon Sinek or is that... Uh, is that um, no, not the one no. thing. Oh, and the oh, other yeah. one is someone different. I've got, forgotten his name. But yeah, the, 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 essence, the essence of the books are simple. It's like you can do anything you want in life, but you can't do everything. Sure, absolutely. Yep. You know, cool. So doing less and being simple is, is, is always in a... a All right, Nick, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. So head over to uh, Optimized, and that's with an S, not a Z. So it's optimized.life, and you'll hear, see everything about us. Facebook group for entrepreneurs who want to learn about this subconscious reprogramming, uh, doing regular trainings in there, podcasts, uh, a whole host of other things. Cool. Nick, it has been my pleasure entirely. Thank you so much for, for showing up today. Uh, we'll put a link to your site down below somewhere, along with uh, we've, we've touched on a book or two uh, that I can think of. Um, uh, that will stick in here and uh, have an awesome day. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate you having me on, Tim. It's been right. great. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Tim. Thanks for tuning into the Kilroy Report. Your support means a lot. If you liked this episode, hated this episode, whatever, please leave your feedback at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you do that sort of thing. And if you're one of the brilliant people who loved this, think about subscribing. It'll do you good.